Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Uh, we had a, a, a significant milestone, cultural milestone this week that we as a family partook in. It was the versus battle, Brandy versus Monica. Now, not only did we enjoy this particular uh, versus battle, for those not familiar, basically the format is you take two different artists of you know, somewhat similar caliber and they go song for song, they play each other's songs and they're usually either on the screen at the same time or in this, in this place, in this case, they were actually physically in the same location at Tyler Perry's studio and you got to see them go like pound for pound, whose songs did you like the most, right? Now, this particular versus battle had over a million viewers. At one point, 1.2 million people were watching and the people, what they do in the versus battle was they actually highlight and they spotlight the uh, verified accounts. The people with many different followers, they, they actually show them interacting on the screen. And so as you're listening to Monica or Brandon, you listen to, you know, I want to be down, right? Or you're listening to something else, you're seeing Michelle Obama comment in the thread. You're seeing Timberland comment. You saw Lorenz Tate, Carrie Washington, Erica Badu, uh, you know, Babyface, all these people in the thread interacting and geeking out just like you are. It's an incredible experience. But what happened in the next few days shows the power of not just who was following the versus battle, but who was following even the followers of the versus battle. Because you see, in the next three days, 21.9 million songs from Brandy and Monica were downloaded in three days. Now, just to give you some perspective on that, the previous three days leading up to the battle, there were 6.3 million streams of their songs. So as a result of everyone participating in this experience and having this battle uh, going back and forth, the surge of their streams went up 248%. And if you were curious, it was almost split pretty evenly. Monica had uh, uh, 11.2 million plays and Brandy 10 million. And so just like I thought, my my girl Gunica won out um, and, you know, uh, in in the battle. But, you know, me and Mark have a little debate about that. But that's okay. That's a story for another day. But here's the point. Why did all of a sudden these streams go up as a result of people following this battle? You see, who you follow changes your behavior. Who you follow changes your outlook and your perspective. These songs have been around for years. (laughs) The Boy Is Mine is not new. But all of a sudden, my attention, our attention was drawn to something as a result of who we are following. Have you ever, if someone wanted to reach out to you, maybe they were trying to holler at you and, 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 and you connected, maybe they slid into your DM. Have you ever looked to see who they were following to get a determination of if they were somebody worth interacting with? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. 
It's like, ah, I don't really know this person. Let me see who they're following. And when you look at the list of those who are following, you either decide, okay, yeah, we're into the same things. We have a similar outlook. Or you go, oh, no, I'm not into that. I don't want anything to do with that. Well, in John chapter 10, Jesus is asking us, who do you follow? Who, who, Who is trending in your categories? The question reveals a truth that social media makes clear. We all follow someone. The only question is who? And, you, and the other point is that not all are worth following. In fact, there's only one who's truly worth following. Now, in order to really get the imagery of John chapter 10, we have to understand the context of this passage that Jesus is painting this picture of an image of God's people as sheep. It's one that we see throughout the Bible. God's people are considered sheep and he and God himself is considered their shepherd. But Jesus here in this particular passage turns to the question of who is the true and false owner of the sheep. In other words, who's a bad shepherd and who's a good shepherd? Now, here in New York City, we don't really see a lot of sheep and a lot of shepherds around. But in Israel at the time, they were as common on the roads as Ubers are to us. But it's, it's a, so, so there's a little bit of this backdrop that we're at a cultural disadvantage at being able to really fully live out this picture. So can I, can I paint you a picture of shepherd and sheep in Israel? You see, this isn't just like something in our own context even where there's just kind of lush fields and, you know, you just kind of see this happy kind of shepherd doing his thing. No, this is in a desert. And at night, sheep were often herded into enclosures next to the house. That, and so they built stone walls around to protect the sheep from predators. They put thorny branches on top of the walls to dissuade wolves and thieves from coming in to steal the sheep. The pen that the sheepfold was in was there to protect the sheep from wild animals and thieves. And there was only one small doorway that was there that, would, that, that you could come in and go out. There was only one entrance and one exit. And the shepherd would oftentimes, in the middle of the night, sleep at the entrance where only he was the only protection between the sheep and any intruders that would want to come in and either steal or kill them. The shepherd would serve as a guard. Now, at this time, the reason why shepherds were so important to the sheep is because water is scarce in the desert. Food is rare in the desert. Dangers are everywhere. And so shepherds are needed to have the skills and tools in order to keep the sheep alive or else the sheep will die. So they had to be skilled and they had to be brave. Now, why does this matter to us? Well, we too live in a spiritual desert with predators and dangers that are both seen and unseen. We too have the danger of people coming in to try to steal our joy and steal the direction of where God is wanting to go with our souls. And we need to be very mindful and clear of this. And so this is where we find ourselves in John chapter 1, John chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus speaking says, truly, truly, 
I say to you, he who does not enter the sheephold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. Who are you following? <laughs> Here, Jesus, he starts the story and, and, and the teaching with a realization that there are those who seek to come into the sheepfold, who come into the pen to not to protect and care and nurture the sheep, but to actually destroy them or to take them away. And we see this all, this, this, this topic of, of thieves and, and of deception leading to followers going the wrong direction is something that's taking place all the time in our headlines. For example, in 2018, CNN did a report on a Black Lives Matter Facebook page. The page was simply titled Black Lives Matter. It had almost 700,000 followers on Facebook. It was tied to an online fundraiser that it raised at least $100,000 that was supposed to go to Black Lives Matter causes. But upon further review and investigation, what turned out, what, it, what, we, what was later revealed was that there was a guy in Australia who had created this page to fund his own personal account and was not at all connected with anything related to social justice. He was a thief that came in to distort and trick the people who were following him, thinking that they were following a cause, but they were actually following a fake account. Do you know who you are following? The, this important universal theme in this chapter centers on the relationship that people have with those who they follow, their leaders. And in this context, the failure of the spiritual leaders in Jesus' time shows the fact that they were false leaders. If you remember last week, Pastor James preached on John chapter 9, just the previous chapter, where a man was healed from blindness, and instead of celebrating this, the Pharisees threw him out of the church, of the synagogue, because he was a follower and believer of Jesus, the one who had actually healed him. In our context, those who you might be following who are leading you away, it might be family members. It might be celebrities who you are following who are leading you in the wrong direction. And yes, sometimes it can even be church leaders. It is any voice that draws people away from God, any voice that inflicts harm, particularly on God's people. Jesus is saying boldly to these people, they are robbers and thieves about who we must be warned. Now, it's, it's very important to know the difference between a thief and a robber. Two different methods, two different strategies. A thief is someone who sneaks in and steals through craftiness and deception. <laughs> it's, it's those phishing schemes, right? That, that like, hey, uh, we got a notification that your account is about to close. Click on this link to actually verify that your email account is connected to your bank account, right? And then you go in and it's somebody who's stealing your identity and they're stealing your information so they can steal your money. Now robbers, that's different. A robber is someone who uses force and intimidation to get what they want. Robbers from Bed-Stuy, yo, run me them jewels. Like, it's just straight up in front of you, I'm confronting you, and I'm going to physically challenge you and take what you have. And in either direction, there's a longstanding tradition in the Old Testament of God referring to false shepherds as thieves and robbers. 
either using cunning and deception to mislead the sheep or straight up intimidation and the use of power and the abuse of power to actually take the sheep in a bad direction. But look at the contrast he see, we see between those thieves and robbers and this other type of shepherd that Jesus points to, the real true shepherd in the second verse. He says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. No deception, no cunning, not sneaking over the side, but coming directly in with clear motives and intentions. Oftentimes it's said that we, li- we live and be, have to be careful about wolves in sheep's clothing. But the real threat is that we live among wolves in shepherd's clothing. <laughs> wolves, what happens when the wolf puts on a shepherd's robe and staff and says, come follow me to the whole pack of wolves to come? Are you following thieves or shepherds? Well, in verse 3 and 4, we see that the the, the illustration continues to unpack. He says, to him, the gatekeeper, the good shepherd, to him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls out. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. You see, it says that the shepherd here calls out his own sheep. The shepherds, who rec- they recognize their sheep. And the sheep recognize the shepherd. You see the relationship there. They, 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 they knew each other. They, they, they had, had awareness of each other. And in fact... These shepherds had spent so much time training the sheep that the sheep were taught to obey the voice of the shepherd. This is deep. (laughs) I was was studying this, and, and this is what you discover, is that shepherds could use either flutes or their own voices, and depending on the type of notes that they would hit on the flute, the sheep knew when to get up together and that it was time to go eat. They hit another note on the flute, and the shepherd signals, yo, I see a wolf coming. It's time to get information packed tight and get behind me. They were able to do this simply because the good shepherds would train the animals to respond to their voice. And this was incredibly important because sheep were helpless in the wild. You see... There's every other type of wild animal, right? Like you can see a wild horse, right, versus a, a tamed horse. You can, you can see like, a, you know, a wild tiger versus, well, a less wild tamed tiger, but it's still wild. But sheep, there's no such thing as a wild sheep. It, without a rancher, the horses run wild. Without a shepherd, the sheep dies. Because you see, a sheep left on its own, they don't even know what to eat. It'll eat poison, plants. A sheep left on his own will get lost and die. And the Bible, it compares us to sheep. You know, the, the pan, and we don't like that, right? But the pandemic has forced me to look really hard at my own weaknesses. Even when I had more time than I ever had before, I still found it difficult to go work out. Even when I had more margins than before, I still found myself wanting to get the high score on my game on my phone than doing the work that I was led to do on myself, by myself. Because we all need a shepherd. 
You see, the shepherd lives with the sheep. The shepherd is everything to the sheep. And, and, and it's funny because sometimes we love the, you know, Psalm 23 and we say, say like, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not be in one. And we like the sentiment of it, but I don't think we like the message of it. Because if we truly got the message, we would recognize that when we say the Lord is my shepherd, that means that I can't do anything without him. I am completely dependent on the shepherd. I don't know where to go without the shepherd. I don't know what to eat without the shepherd. I don't know who to relate to without the shepherd. I can't even see dangers correctly without the shepherd. Do we really believe that the Lord is our shepherd? You see, I believe our, ba- our heart basically tells us, no, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of good on my own. I just need a few tweaks. I'm pretty smart on my own. I just need a, some advice that, you know, it's funny. It, in fact, there's a term that recently got introduced into the uh, official dictionary called sheeple. And sheeple is a derogatory term that oftentimes conspiracy theorists use to describe people who are gullible and believe, believe like mainstream media. They're like, oh, y'all just sheeple, right? Like y'all wear masks because you're sheeple. You're just following along with something. And here's the ironic thing about that, right? The funny thing is those who clown and deride those who wear masks as sheeple, they're just going along with their own source and authority of information that they believe too. They're showing you a whole other source and say, oh, you know, I don't believe Dr. Fauci because this other person, this, this African woman who's a doctor, she said that Dr. Fauci was wrong. Well, you're still a sheeple. You just got a different shepherd. So the reality is if you were... If, even when we, if we were to go back in time 10 years ago, and if I were to tell you the mistakes that you would make in the following 10 years, you wouldn't believe me because it's uncanny how sheep have a tendency to wander. There's that song that prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. This is why we were made to be in community. And because just as there's the good shepherd that he has sent and dispatched under shepherds. Let me break that down. You see, a shepherd like Abraham, and you read the entirety of his flock, they would be like, he, Abraham owns 10,000 sheep. Now, it wasn't just be one man trying to follow, lead 10,000 sheep by himself. He would have under shepherds, and the under shepherds would break, he would break down all of his flock into more manageable groups of about 100 sheep per shepherd. And these under shepherds were lead to follow, were, were, were called to take care and tend to, the, to, to Abraham's flock. And so what in the, is happening here is that God is saying that as pastors, we are under shepherds caring for his flock. In fact, you may not even realize this, but the word pastor itself used to mean shepherd like out in the fields. Like that's, in other words, they only started to use the term to talk about ministers because it was already well known as an agricultural concept of shepherding sheep. In Latin, the word pastus is where you get the aspect of shepherd from, which literally meant a shepherd of sheep, and then it turned into pastor. So what this means, what's the point of that? Sheep listen and obey the shepherd, which also means that they should obey the pastor. But we have to ask ourselves a question, do we want a shepherd or do we want a consultant? You see, the the sheep don't just say, you know, well, shepherd, um, tell me where you think I might be able to eat some good grass and maybe give me your thoughts about where this pack of wolves is coming from and, and I'll consider it and then I'll kind of go and maybe weigh my options and decide what to do. No, sheep are like, they hear the voice of the shepherd say danger and they get information and they understand and they listen to where the shepherd is going. Do you allow pastors 
to care for you. Good shepherds seek to know their flock. And this is why this growth group uh, initiative is such an important time right now because what we're saying is that we recognize that in this moment of, of COVID and pandemic that people are experiencing incredible isolation. And that just like in the wilderness, just like with a, a, a group of sheep, the one most dangerous thing for a sheep to be would be by themselves isolated. The only defense that they had was being together and tightly connected. If you're out there and you're struggling in that way, it's time for you to let the shepherds know, I'm struggling, I'm alone. There's no shame in that and that recognizing that weakness. That's what we're here for. Verse five, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is such a fascinating thing because what this is saying is that the sheep spent so much time with the shepherd that they could recognize and distinguish when he said, hey, come on, it's time to go versus when someone else will come up and say, hey, it's time to go. And they wouldn't listen to that person's voice. It's funny because oftentimes we can distinguish between the voice of Brandy and Monica, but we can't tell the difference between the real Jesus and the Hebrew Israelite. We, we still struggle with, okay, how do I understand my faith? Do I, do, I, do I know what this Jesus is versus the person that's telling me that I need to worship an African deity because that's where I'm from? Do I know the sound of my shepherd's voice? Today, just today, somebody reached out to me. They were like, yo, somebody invited me to this Bible study. And I, I said, okay, cool. And it was this Bible study on Zoom. But then they kept pressuring me and they kept asking me. And, and it didn't feel right. Like, it just felt a little weird. And, I, and so they reached out to me. They gave me a call and didn't even know I was preaching on this. And so I said, okay, well, what was the name of it? They said, the New York Church of Christ. I said, oh, yeah, that's a cult. See, I, I've had experience with the International Church of Christ, and I know their tactics and their methodology. And, and yeah, they have bad doctrine. Just cancel, just tell them you're not interested. And she was like, oh, thank you so much, Pastor. That, that makes me. And so because she understood and trusted my voice, she knew when I said danger, wolf over there to get away. Do you know the sound of the shepherd's voice? Because knowing the sound of the voice implied and it had an intrinsic aspect of obedience to the voice. Not just like, oh, I, I know what this sounds like, but like, I know and I'm going to follow. Not everybody talking about Jesus knows him. And it's important to recognize the, the importance of being a shepherd. Okay, verse seven and eight, it says, so Jesus again said to them, they didn't quite understand. It tells us what he was using in his metaphor. So then he says, I got to make it plain. So using his truly, truly, which again is his statement of saying, yo, word is born. Like this is facts. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. When someone makes a claim on the sheep, when a new voice emerges on the horizon, the first question should be, is this voice leading me closer to Jesus? Because if the, if the voice is not leading me closer to the good shepherd, then this under shepherd is actually a false shepherd. And that's a good uh, frame of reference. So the question becomes, are you following those who lead you to the true shepherd, Jesus? Now, ultimately, 
in verse 10, he gives us the full final blueprint. He says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is huge because he uses the term First, before he said thieves and robbers, plural. Right here, he's saying singular, the thief. And it's pointing back to Satan, who he had spoke to, spoken about in chapter 8, when he said he is the father of lies. Here, he says, this is what the thief intends to do, to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And this is the recognition that this is not neutral here. Who we follow is just not like ambiguous. Like, well, you know, you follow Jesus. I follow this person over here. I'm good. No, no, no. This is a life and death thing because even if you can't see it on the front end, eventually there's a way that leads to death. And that is following anyone who is not the good shepherd. Now, this word abundant life that Jesus promises here is huge. In the Greek, it is perissos. And perissos, let me just give you some definition of what it means to kind of fill out when he says, I come that you might have it abundantly, have life and have it abundantly. He says, exceeding some number or measure or rank. This is what abundantly means. Over and above, more than necessary, super added, exceedingly abundantly, supremely, something further, more, much more, all that plainly superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, preeminent, more imminent, more remarkable, more excellent. This is the type of life that Jesus is saying that he offers the sheep. See, the thief says the Christian life is boring. It's restrictive. You know, look at all these other people getting married and getting engaged, and I'm still single, and, yeah, and that's because I'm following Jesus' way, and it's, and it's too restrictive for me. And now I can't even cuss people out when I want to because it's Jesus' thing. I, I want, if I just go over there and follow the crowd, then, then I'll be free. And Jesus is saying here, that's not the voice of the shepherd. The voice of the shepherd tells you that I come to give you more and abundant life. Do you believe that Jesus can give you abundant life? You might be asking, how, Sway? Well, he explains in verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. <sighs> now, we have seen this I am statement before. This is the fourth one in the gospel of John out of seven. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, this statement has significant meaning and impact to the person who was hearing this. Because in the Old Testament, God was the only one who referred to himself as the ultimate shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Here, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he's, saying, and he's putting that on him. But what that also is saying is that as his sheep, we have honor and, and significance and value to him. You see, a shepherd's worth and even his glory was bound up in the health and the vitality of his sheep. And he's saying that my honor as, as the good shepherd is your flourishing. My honor as the good shepherd is your joy. I, my, that, that is the type of intimacy, and that's why you can trust me as the good shepherd, because my joy is in you. It is not about self-preservation like it is with the false shepherds, but it's about sheep preservation. That's what the good shepherd does. Not self-preservation, but sheep preservation. How do you follow this type of 
shepherd, who do you follow? Here's the key question. Do they offer themselves to you on their behalf? In verse 14 and 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he explains it. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The thing that's so different and distinct about Jesus versus all those who came before them is he says, I am willing to die for the sheep. You understand that in the sense of the wilderness that oftentimes the only thing that stood between a hundred sheep that were vulnerable and that were frightened and a a wolf that was coming to try to take them out was the shepherd himself with his staff. And he's saying that I am willing to, even if there's a pack of wolves, go down fighting to protect these innocent sheep. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is he's willing to do this regardless of what your past is. Oh, he knows where you were at yesterday. He saw what was going on last week. He, he recognizes where you have fallen and stumbled. And he says, I am still willing to die for you anyway. In your place. Lastly, in verse 18, he says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. See, the, the one thing we have to know is that this aspect of Jesus laying down his life for the sheep is not finally just ended at the cross. You see, that was where it took place when, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what, do, what they do. When, when, he, when he took his last breath and said, it is finished, that on that cross, he was dying for the sake of the sheep. But our hope and our joy in him being the good shepherd is not simply bound up in his ability to die. <laughs> no. But it's because he popped back up again after death. The final aspect of Jesus' uniqueness as the good shepherd is his resurrection, which is more than just an afterthought, but is the seal of God's approval of him as the good shepherd. I mean, can I make it plain? You see, there was a movie a while ago. Uh, It was one of those heist movies. Um, And in the heist movie, there was a group of thieves that got together and they wanted to steal something from a museum that was very valuable to the museum. And they were trying to figure out how to do it. And there seemed to be no way of doing it. And toward the end of the movie, they all get arrested. And it looks like all hope is lost and that their plan has failed. And after they get arrested... Someone comes in and it looks like a federal agent and it comes and drives them all back because they had greater jurisdiction. In the car, we discover that the person who had come in to arrest them was actually in on the plot. And all of a sudden, what seems like the worst moment in the movie when they get arrested and the plot foils was all part of the plan. You see, getting arrested was the key part, but it was not the ultimate part of the plan. (laughs) Getting arrested was just to get them out of the situation in such a way that it looked like they were in authority, but they weren't. When Jesus died on the cross, that wasn't the end of the story. It was just the setup for the comeback that was to come afterwards, which is the resurrection. And it gives us hope to say that we serve a shepherd who can lead us into abundant life because he has defied death and has come back and resurrected. In our own life, in my own life, I've seen the power of what it means to follow this resurrected king. I, I, I mean, just this good shepherd, abundant life stuff, like things I would have never have imagined. Getting to know my favorite artists by name. Getting to interview people that I looked up to on stage. Having as confidants people whose books that I read. 
And, and those things have happened because Jesus has saw fit as the good shepherd to say, hey, when you follow me, this is where you can go. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that tells you this way of the good shepherd just leads you to boredom and death. That's a lie. In fact, Jesus says here, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Who do you follow? Do you follow leaders that point you to the good shepherd or liars who point you to the thief who only comes to steal, kill, and destroy? May we all choose wisely and follow the good shepherd. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for reminding us in your word today that we are sheep. We need you. Lord, would you help us to learn and discern your voice by spending time with you in your word and worship, that we would come to recognize the counterfeit shepherds and that we would hear the voice of you, the good shepherd. Lord, we pray that you would help us to get information as a church, that we would trust leadership those that you have called as pastors to lead over this flock? And would there be a mutual investment between shepherds and pastors that are looking to invest in sheep and sheep looking to be led by pastors? And would, we, would you lead us into a new season, into greener pastures? You are our shepherd. We shall not be in one. You make a table before us in the presence of our enemies and you restore our souls. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at BridgeChurchNYC. Our website is BridgeChurchNYC.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.